0: SBO Perspectives: The Pulse of School Business, and the official podcast of ASBO International. That's right, and I am Dr. Jack R. Mitchell here along with the esteemed John Bricado. John Bricado. So we have—I don't want to give this one away—and we do a little do a little intro in the beginning and talk about you know who's on. Let's just say. This person has soared to new heights and continues to soar, and I mean, she has the passion that, well, let me say no more. John, let him know. (laughs)
1: Yeah, we have an Aspo International Eagle Award winner with us today. We have Cindy Reilman. She's the director of finance at the Francis Howell School District, and we talk about a whole gamut of things today. And I think the common thread really is just her passion for the work and just what transparency means to her, not just from a financial standpoint, but just really articulating the importance of what we do as professionals and just our growing network Mm -hmm. as school business officials. So we're excited to bring you this episode today. And here's our conversation with Cindy Reilman. Today on the podcast, we have Cindy Ryleman, Director of Finance at the Francis Howell School District in O'Fallon, Missouri. Cindy, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, Cindy.
2: Thank you, John. Thank you, Jack. It's nice to be here.
0: Yes, and okay, it was so to nice you. to meet you in person, too, last month uh, in Oregon, uh, meeting someone from Missouri. Uh, actually, we met you prior to actually the conference starting. We met you at the Forecast 5 event, which is very nice. Uh, and you were just so warm and pleasant and so knowledgeable. And then little did we know... You're a big time award recipient, there, huh? So yeah, we got a we got a heavy hitter we, on the podcast. We today. come to see you. <laughs> yeah, we come to see you on the big screen later on. So this is so great. Um, and so we're so glad and happy to have you on. And thank you again for taking the time to come out, uh, to speak to us. So um, you know, with that, you know, let's let the folks know more about you. I mean, again, the folks who weren't there obviously are, are listening, are listeners to the podcast here. Um, if you could possibly, you know. kick this off. Tell us a little about yourself, I guess, and, um, you know, your background experience and just, you know, what's it like being an SBI out in good old Missouri.
2: Sure. Um, So I graduated from college with an accounting degree. And as my video for the Eagle Award indicated, I asked my professor at the time who encouraged me to become an accounting major, what can I do with an accounting degree? And little did I know at that time all the things that you really can do with an accounting degree. And so I graduated from Southwest Baptist University uh, with a degree in accounting. Nice. And not a lot of job opportunities at the time, but I started my career as a Missouri State auditor. I was an in charge uh, a staff auditor for uh, the Missouri uh, State Auditors Office, and I traveled the state of Missouri,
0: mm-hmm.
2: auditing county governments and auditing state governments. Wow. And right. so um, from there, I moved to the Department of Elementary Education, where I was a school finance consultant. So I actually consulted with school district CFOs, mm-hmm. school business officials in Missouri um, on financial matters and how to do proper accounting for the state of Missouri. And from there, a superintendent uh, saw me at one of our trainings. We would give periodic trainings to new school business officials uh, as a Department of Education. Mm-hmm. And so he came looking and asking if I would want to come into a school district and recruited you. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, it was was kind of nice to be a little headhunted, you know. Yeah. Um, Ironically enough, both my parents were educators. They both taught over thirty years, and so I did not realize at that time that accountants could be in education. That you know, you could have an accounting degree and actually uh, make a difference in a school district. So. Um, Eventually, I I took the job as the director of business for the Fort Zumwalt School District, a neighbor of mine in Missouri, and I have been doing this for 23 years now.
0: Wow, what a career. Wow. And, you know,
1: that's such a cool opportunity to kind of be on the other side of things, because we're always having to be audited and, and being transparent with our data and everything. So with your experience prior as a state auditor and working for the state education department, has that given you maybe a different perspective for the seat that you're sitting in now to kind of you know maybe anticipate what we have to do a little easier and just maybe just you know having a better understanding of what the state's looking for out of a school business official in a school
0: district?
2: I think it's helped tremendously with the relationship and and the work that we do here in our in our school district at least. So um, you know, there's many friends that I used to work with years ago that are still at the Department of Ed. So. Um, reaching out, especially like during this COVID funding and all the ESSER stuff and all the accounting that we have to do through that. Um, just being able to reach out and uh, get the answers up front, be a little bit proactive when we're talking about how we're going to spend for learning loss or ESSER mm-hmm. S- 1, 2 or 3 or mm-hmm. tram- transportation supplement, all the pots of money that are out there and all the ways that we have to account for it and stuff. And um, knowing that you, know, the, you have the auditors coming in eventually and they're going to be double checking and triple checking you I feel it gives me a huge advantage to kind of have that hat in the seat that I'm in and so that I can right. proactively have those discussions with my academic directors um, when we're having conversations about what we're gonna do with that, those funds or, or whatever and how to account for them. So it's yeah. nice to have the relationship and the network as well as to be able to have the conversations with my directors and chiefs that I work with on a daily basis to just kind of work through all those, those concerns and issues.
1: Yeah, that, that's great. And I mean, I, that experience, I'm sure, is paying dividends. And, you know, part of part of what we do is, you know, we, we do get audited and we have to be transparent with our um, our data. And that's my really shoddy segue of going into my next question. You know, I was poking around on your website and I have to say, I'm really, really impressed with your Fiscal transparency section of your finance website. It's awesome, and you know, if I were a taxpayer in your district, this is exactly something that I would hope was published. So, can you talk me through how this came about? How long have you been doing it, and who's really involved in it? Because you know, those those of us, excuse me, those listening should really check out um, Francis Howell's website and their fiscal transparency. It's it's amazing. I mean, you 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 have month by month, you have quarter reviews. I mean. I think as a tax price is exactly what somebody's looking for. So, at any rate, can can you tell me how this came about? This is really impressive.
2: Thank you. Um, I actually do take a lot of pride in it. So it really is my baby. Um, when there was a law passed a few years ago in Missouri about financial transparency and different reports that we had to make available, and we had been a partner with Frontline. Um, it was Forecast Five prior, right? Um, we had been right. a, fr- a partner with Frontline for many years, and um, you know, sometimes tools are awesome, but it's finding the time to figure out how to use them in our daily mm-hmm. work, right? Um, and so over the years, I've I've kind of mastered that. And so as I learned how to do some statements and do some reporting, um, and this law came into effect, I decided this would be a great way to put those statements out there. And so I've worked closely with my, my client partners at Frontline, and we do quarterly reports. We've worked on the, the budget performance dashboards, the budget variance mm-hmm. dashboards. All these have also become part of my monthly financial statements. And so really it's in a, a variety of places that our, our taxpayers, our community can go and find the financial information relating to Francis Howe. So um, it's it's been a baby of mine that I take great pride in. Um, i i I will apologize i need to update it i was making my to-do list this morning and i'm like oop, i'm (laughs) missing some statements i need to get out there so i need to publish um quarter one of fy 23 as well as um the september statements that just went to the board of education
0: and so cindy you know one of the the big things here about you being on and we alluded to earlier is you being an eagle award recipient and the, the coveted eagle award um just could you tell us what was it like when you found out, um, how'd you feel like, how'd you find out? And then, um, really like how, what, what does it mean for you to be an Eagle award recipient?
2: So I have had several friends as, as being a ASBO member for many years, right. I've, I've seen people, many of my friends and, and others receive this award. Um, and just thought, wow, you know, these, these are just amazing people. I knew they were amazing to begin with. Um, so I've always kind of taken uh, uh, a responsibility that I try to also nominate for Eagle Awards. So I've done that over the past few years, just nominating friends and different things. I nominated Cherie last year. Um, and so uh, to be nominated, so um, my friend Patty Bedborough that I had nominated earlier a few years ago, she uh, nominated me and mm-hmm. I was actually on my daughter's bed. We were I was helping her pack for camp this last summer and uh david lewis called me from asbo international and um so i saw his name and i answered the phone and so he said it my daughter and i she and i were like oh my gosh you know and just all excited (laughs) it had to
1: be an exciting phone call
2: (laughs) it was very exciting and um uh so anyway so that was how i got the news david called and 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 congratulated me and uh still didn't sink in right i mean i knew the news and Uh, at that point there's a lot of things that take place right you you schedule an interview and a video um you have to uh actually apply first sorry you actually have to apply first and accept the nomination in a way and as part of the application process you submit a a resume and a bio um, and then you answer some questions right they give you some questions Mm -hmm. that you have to submit responses to so went through that process um and really don't know how many apply, how many get nominated, how many are evaluated every year. I really don't know those numbers. Um, so to make it to the final four, the four of us that were recognized this this year um, was just a huge honor. Um, uh, I usually get pretty emotional when I talk about it, but um, just still don't, don't, always feel like I, I deserve it. You know, we, we do our jobs, we do it in the background and we don't do it for notoriety. We don't do it for um, accolades and awards. Um, So yeah, just still just amazes me. Still in cloud nine. You you
0: don't know, right? Yeah.
1: yeah, Yeah, Well, Cindy, you should be really proud of that award and and well-deserved and Jack and I were both at ASBO international and saw you receive that and the video was great. And you know, us having the experience of seeing you accept that award. you We understand, you know, all the hard work, of course, that we put into it, but you especially and the other candidates that were able to accept that award. It was really, really a a touching moment. And, you know, again, well-deserved. So congratulations on that. That's a great accomplishment.
0: Congrats to you with that. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, you know, that being an ASBO International Award, you know, you obviously are heavily involved in ASBO International. Can you tell us about... Just your involvement, you know, maybe some committees you're on and just kind of, you know, what what leads you to to be so involved and, and what do you see as those are, as those benefits?
2: Absolutely. Um, I will say that when I first became a school business official, I had a, a mentor in a neighboring district um, who really encouraged me to get involved at the state level. So that's where I started. Right. Um, and I went to my first ASVO International in Phoenix in 2002 and. Um, and just was blown away by everything, right? I mean, the networking, the information, the education that you get at those annual conference and exhibits and stuff. And so um, soon after that first one I went to, I joined the school finance committee. So back in that day, there were a variety of committees that you could join risk management, human resources, et cetera. And so um, I'd always been encouraged by my mentors to be involved at state and if at, if at, po- at all possible at the national level. And so just kind of getting my feet wet, I also became a Meritorious Budget Award reviewer because mm-hmm. I went to a presentation on that. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing budget presentation, right? And the credibility and the transfer- transparency with your public and community. And so um, I reviewed for one year, and then uh, I worked towards applying uh, towards that MBA in the future at my districts. I have uh, at Francis Hall, I've been very blessed to... Have, the, have received the MBA for the last 16 years, I think it is. And wow. so, um, again, just getting involved and, and being uh, um, a part of, uh, of ASBO's network was has just been huge. So um, after that, uh, of course, committees kind of have changed and evolved a little bit, um, just tried to be involved in different areas. I was on the bylaws committee for a year um, on a couple other committees, but my the one that's dear near and dear to my heart is the editorial advisory committee. So yes. I'm in my fourth year on that committee. Uh, I joined it as just a member and uh, didn't really know what I was getting into. Right, it, <laughs> this committee, the editorial advisory committee, produces the School Business Affairs magazine on a monthly basis. We're responsible for securing the content and the authors for that, and um, it is just—it's the best committee I've ever served on. Um, I am proud to say that I'm serving as the chair this year uh, and for the next couple years. Um, awesome. to finish out that committee term. Um, and, you know, got to meet you guys when we learned about the podcast you were doing in New York and how we were yeah, going to. Yeah, we had us on
1: uh, virtually. I think you you all were meeting in person and you were yep. gracious enough to invite us in. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we were meeting in Ashburn. And um, so just a, a an amazing committee that I've been a part of. And then um, in relation to that, also a part of the education committee that plans the content for the annual conference and I just believe in giving back and being a part of, of the association so that we can mm-hmm. be the best at our positions. Yeah. Um, but again, you know, giving back to, you know, I've been doing this for 23 years. There's people that are coming up that are younger, that are newer, and um, just being able to share information and, and help them learn along the way and uh, help them grow as a school business official. Just, you know, it's the
0: way to go, you know, so, I mean, well, that's how I feel about all of us. And when we John and I going out to Oregon makes it more so us realizing it's a bigger pot, right? There's there's more yeah. of us and we're all supportive yep. of each other. And um, you know, we feel that way in New York, but you know, you saying that echoes that and it resounds even further. So um Yeah, know- I,
1: I have to say too, just from an outsiders perspective, I guess, looking in at the EAC, your group just seems like such a tight knit group of individuals that you get a lot of work done, but you have a lot of fun doing it. So it was nice to see that camaraderie and it's made up of individuals all over the place. So yes. it's nice to know that, as Jack said, we, you know, he and I are in New York, we knew our New York crew, but to be a part of something larger and to know that we all can get together and have that collegiality is is just reassuring. And it's, it was so nice to see at the, at the conference. Lot. I mean, we I think we were we sat together and kind of off the lobby a little bit and just to watch everyone interact was so refreshing and nice to see what a great group of, of individuals. So that the EAC hats off, to, hats off to them. Yeah, yeah.
2: It's an amazing committee and they do a great work.
0: Cindy, would, would you, um just as, as an aside question, because we talked about the website earlier, um, maybe provide a brief overview of your budget process you might undergo. I know that, um you know, it is, could be different from how we did out here, as, as we found out in, in many um, conversations with other states. But we just we're curious for our listeners to know, you know, maybe what are some of the challenges you may face in constructing it? You know, but just to kind of get a, a simple overview of your of your budget process.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So um, our budget process, of course, we start in December uh working with our our buildings and and what that's going to look like and kind of giving them guidance and information as to uh what they can expect for the next year right should they keep their budgets flat should they decrease their budgets by so much you know what what assumptions should they include as they build their budget Mm -hmm. and so we take all that and um the the biggest challenge for me in my budget is the staffing piece right so although we talked a little bit before the podcast about our, our finance and HR software. Um, the hardest part is uh, when the, the staffing information is not always kept in a, a centralized location, it's hard to access, right? And it changes yeah. daily and stuff. So when your budget's made up of 85% salaries and benefits, and getting access to that—that that is challenging. Mm. Um, that's that's my biggest challenge. And and you know you want to make it, your budget as right as possible and as tight as as it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's my biggest challenge is just making sure all the people are accounted for. And um, you know vacancies lately the uh, budgeting for vacancies and how that's impacting your budget is, has been a huge challenge for us. And and trying Agreed. to figure out what that data yeah. is and how much that true savings is right. Um, so uh, we put I put together a budget. Some people kind of snicker. John didn't say that he read my budget from the website, but it's about 500 pages. Um, yeah, I didn't get as, that far. <laughs> um, not only does it meet all the meritorious budget award criteria, um, I, put, I try to put in a lot of information about my buildings, right? So each building has, we have 23 schools and each building has four pages dedicated to it. It's got their wow. financial budget. It's got their um, staff numbers, their free and reduced lunch and SPED numbers. It's got their SIP goals. It's got their ESSA dashboard, so their Every Student Succeeds Act Act um, dashboard data that um, is in there, as well as pictures, right? So new principals, um, teachers that got awards, kids that got awards and um, can be celebrated. So I have a lot of pictures. I have a lot of information. Our buildings have YouTube channels. They've got Instagram places, and so... I just try to make sure that if if a parent wants to pick up my budget or the Francis Howell budget and they have a kid at Independence Elementary and they go to Independence Elementary, they can really get a sense as to what's going on at that building, what they're spending their money on, what their challenges are, et cetera. So I really pride myself in the fact that the budget tells the story Um, and it can be a good story and it can be a bad story. You know, it just depends on the year and, and everything. But. Um, just being transparent with the public and making sure all the information's in there in a variety of ways, right? Because we're not all the same learners. Some people love reading. They they find their data in, in words. Some people in pie charts and line graphs and um, everything. And some people just in the numbers, right? They want their tables. They want the numbers presented um, prior year, current year, et cetera, projections, whatever. So um, just being able to provide that information in a variety of ways um, so that they can really read what our story is at Francis Howell.
1: Well, no short of of information with you, Cindy, between that transparency piece (laughs) I got to see and 500 pages of a budget, that's really impressive. And Yeah, what's (laughs) even more impressive (laughs) is that you're taking the extra time to build a budget document that anybody can pick up, hopefully, and interpret in their own way. And being able to relate our school finances and the resources that we provide as educators into the classroom and to see that manifest in a document i think probably resonates really well with your community because they're seeing you know their students and their kids reflected in what otherwise is probably just a financial document so hats off to you and of course you you, you win the or you get the mba every year because you're you're 500 pages that's that's something else
2: <laughs> I mean, that, means,
0: that goes to show you are you're a really passionate sbl you know and i, I really and am yeah you can hear in your voice you can see in your face and you know it and everything you do so it you know, we we appreciate that. That makes me even talking to you want to do more. Right. So others yeah. as is it's well. inspiring. Yeah. Thank
1: yeah. You. So, you know, everyone that comes on the podcast, you know, we talk about a variety of, of different things that are going on in our universe and, you know, experiences across the SBO spectrum. But the one thing we always ask our guests coming on is we always look for one piece of advice that you is a, is a seasoned professional can offer to our listeners. And our listenership is any anywhere from somebody brand new or somebody who's been in the seat for 20, 30 years. So what would you like to impart on our listeners today, uh, especially with your, your wealth of knowledge and more importantly, your passion for the work?
2: I guess if I was to share anything, it would be the fact that, that we really do need to share our knowledge. So, um, again, I've done this for 23 years, uh, new people coming in and there are people, you know, who've been, who've done this longer than me. My, my previous CFO had been doing this for 40 years. Um, we always have stuff to share. Right. And I try to make sure that the people I work with are always trying to know more and understand more because I, I do tell them, I'm like, if I got hit by a bus, would someone, someone be able to do the work Would someone just be able to step in? And I want that to happen. Right. We want to Mm -hmm. leave our school districts. We want to leave, um, our, our environments, whether it's our finest department, our HR department, whatever environment we work in, in a better place. Right. I mean, right. nobody wants to leave it worse than, than when we came in. So share your knowledge, get involved. That's the best way to meet people and learn and, and share your knowledge when it comes to attending professional development. Um, you know, writing, speaking, um, are all great opportunities because we all do have a story to tell. And I love the fact that your podcast helps people tell different stories, right? It can be about, um, you know, giving back. It can be about um, transportation. It can be about, uh, you know, staffing shortages. It can be about an Eagle Award. Whatever it is, everybody has a story to tell, and Correct. we just need to remember to share that knowledge with with others so that they can they can be better at what they do as well.
0: Ah, uh, good stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, Cindy, thank you. This is was a really inspiring conversation. and and I agree with Jack. Just speaking with you it reinvigorates me to want to do just that much more in in the in the seat that we have. So, um you know, I think you make some good points. the The legacy piece is really important, and I think the work that we do, it, it, it shouldn't just be about us, but it's about the the department and the school district as a whole. And if we leave, the, the legacy legacy should carry forward. So all great points, but I just want to thank you for coming on. It was such a great conversation, and we look forward to interacting in the future.
2: Thanks, John. Thanks, Jack. Nope. You guys take care.
0: You too.
1: Thank you again for tuning in to SPO Perspectives. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. I know we certainly did. I hope that passion came through in audio because we definitely
0: could tell as we had that conversation with Cindy today. I I think so, John. You know, without question, our listeners are going to pick this up. I mean, they might, this is one I'm going to listen to again. So they might listen to it multiple times because, uh, you know, you don't always have to learn specific, the didactic approach to how to do our job. But really right. hearing her and understanding what it means to her—that's what makes a job, right? So, like you said, you know, she invoked the passion. And for me, I think the biggest thing I just said—I hope all listeners also capture—is you know, the biggest piece of advice she gave. I think is really paramount because right. you're talking about doing a job that's not just a job that you're doing; it's for it's the bigger picture here, right? For the district, beyond one person, others. Everything to come, pick up. I think that that resounds, and when you when you operate, I think under that, guys, you, you definitely uh, number one will be successful, but number two will present. I I think the way it should be, the way us SBOs yeah. can really do our job and and present what's necessary for the community and for the school community on, on the whole. So. Yeah, Cindy has
1: a great disposition and some really sage advice in terms of what it means to succeed as a school business official. So as Cindy said, get out there, get involved, you know, write articles, read articles and and reach out to your fellow SBO. So, you know, another shout out to the editorial advisory committee. That group is is doing some some awesome work. And, you know, Cindy's leading that. And I think with her at the helm, we'll see even more kind of coming down the pike. So thank you again for tuning in today. Uh, We'll catch you next week.
0: Thanks, everybody. See you next week.